everyone. Welcome to Young and Getting Wiser. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I'm joined today with a very special guest, Ms. Jordan O'Connor. Hello, everyone. I'm very happy and excited to be here. This is actually my first podcast, so exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. So Jordan is a NASM certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. She's here to tell us all the stuff about fitness, health, etc. She got a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology from Florida State and she remembers how it felt to be lost and not make much progress in her personal fitness journey. But now that she's learned, researched, and experienced so much in the fitness industry, she wants to help women learn the necessary steps to reach goals relating to fitness, nutrition, and healthy lifestyle. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about Fitness 101, including topics surrounding how to have confidence in the gym, cardio versus weight training, meeting your macros goals, setting achievable fitness goals, and Jordan will answer some specific questions at the end tailored to her style with approaching fitness and lifestyle. So are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Awesome. (laughs) So I wanted to have a fitness coach on the podcast because I think that personal fitness is something that we're always working towards. No matter how much information you have, it's a ongoing process of working with your body and your mindset and your routine and your day-to-day life. So personally, I started my fitness journey in college. And from then, I've been trying to learn more and more about how to reach my specific fitness goals. I became a group fitness instructor sophomore year of college, and that was so fun. But now that I'm out of college and I'm like trying to figure out what to do with my fitness journey, I'm really excited to hear all of your tips on kind of like staying consistent and reaching the goals that you make for yourself. What about you, though? What's your personal story and like how did you get into fitness? What was your prior gym confidence struggles and why did you become a fitness coach in the first place? Yeah, so I was always pretty active growing up. I played field hockey and then in high school, I decided to like dabble with the gym. I was like, you know what, let's just like start going after school, like during the off season when I like didn't have practice and stuff. And I definitely lacked confidence, you know, being in the gym. It's super scary, obviously, super intimidating, especially with like a male dominated gym and me being like in high school, I was like super nervous. I honestly think going through high school all those years and just staying consistent and then going through college and, you know, learning what I had to learn, experiencing everything, it really did just help with my confidence a lot. But yeah, I think when I first started looking at like my explore page and seeing people on the internet and just like comparing myself and being like, that's what I want to look like. But I literally have no idea how to get there and like my workouts or nutrition. So it's really just been a process. The more that I, you know, was consistent with the gym, I was like, I really like love this. I want to help other people with it. And yeah, I just knew that that was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life and like to pursue as a career. So I ended up switching my major after my freshman year and uh, switching to exercise physiology to do that. That's so amazing that you found that passion early enough into college to kind of switch everything up. And you've been killing it lately. If you look at her Instagram, actually at underscore fit with Jor. She has tons of resources for people who are either potential clients or just trying to figure out some like fitness tips and tricks and stuff like that. And that's how I found her. And it's been really cool kind of learning from you along the way. And all of your stuff about your fitness journey also is very inspirational. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that with sports and stuff. But we are going to kind of focus on how you were talking about confidence in the gym. First and foremost, 
let's talk about overcoming gym intimidation. So first of all, Jordan, can you define what is gym intimidation? That little fun phrase. <laughs> can you explain <laughs> like what it means and how it shows up for people? Yeah. So gym intimidation basically is just being intimidated in the gym. You know, it's lacking confidence, being nervous. And I feel like it comes in different forms. Like people might be nervous about like people judging them or them doing an exercise wrong or just like not knowing where things are. A lot of scary things come with being in a gym setting, especially at first. So um, I think it's definitely something that everyone does experience. It's kind of hard to avoid at first, but there are things that you can do to kind of like speed up the process. Totally. I know like when I was just starting out my fitness stuff, I felt so honestly shy and almost embarrassed in the gym. Mm -hmm. It's like when you see all these machines and you don't know how to work them, you see people who are jacked just doing these things. Like yeah. it's very intimidating until I started kind of doing my own research on fitness, watching people on YouTube and just learning along the way. It was very just scary to be in the gym and not know what you're doing. So it's definitely something real and it definitely shows up in different ways for different people as well. I think that once you kind of learn to gain that confidence in the gym, you're way more able to work towards what you actually want to work towards because you're less concerned about what other people are thinking about you and more concerned about doing the exercise correctly, targeting the correct muscle groups and all that stuff. Have you had like specific encounters in the gym when you've been kind of more shy to try something or use a new machine and like, how'd you go about it? Literally, I still experience this. Anytime that I'm about to do a new exercise that I've never done before or use a piece of equipment I've never done before, there's that thought in the back of my head, like, what if I go to do this and like do it wrong or like mess up or can't figure out the machine? But you literally just have to like go ahead and do it. So the point in time that comes to mind when thinking about this is when I first started going to the gym and there was like an upstairs, like women's, that's what they would call it, like the women's section upstairs and then like the main part downstairs. And for years, I would only work out upstairs and there was big windows that you could like overlook the downstairs and I would always look down and see a bunch of people down there and be like, holy shit, I am not ready to like do that yet. And it just takes you having to put yourself in the situation to be okay with it. Like there's no other way to go around it. You literally just have to like go ahead and do it. So in that circumstance, when I was super nervous and intimidated by those people, I just had to like suck it up and grow some balls and like go down there and put my head down and do what I could to try to lessen the intimidation factor. Same with nowadays when I'm trying new exercises. I do what I can to like prepare myself the most to, you know, not be intimidated and go into it with confidence. And I think like when you're in that situation, you're like, I know that this machine is like supposed to be what I'm using, but I don't really know how to set it up or re-rack the weights or anything like that. It's yeah. so easy to give up on yourself and be like, F it. I'm not trying it anymore. I'm not doing it. But literally just Google it on your phone. I feel like so many people do that low key. They just turn their brightness down, Google how to set this up. I still do that in the gym. And also what I will say is the gym community is so much nicer than I think we come off or they come off. And it's like everyone's really in their zone and working out and stuff. But a lot of people there would be willing to help if you just ask someone who looks kind of nice and you're like, can you please help me set this up? Or maybe someone who just got off of the machine. This one takes a little bit more courage and like self-pep talk to go up to someone random and ask them 
But if that's your thing, don't be afraid to use your resources as in like the people around you and just ask them. And if your gym has personal trainers too, like on the floor or even just staff members, they also might know how to work it if if your Google <laughs> Googling the machine thing isn't working for you. But there's so many resources you can use and you shouldn't use your nervousness about the machine as a reason to not do the workout. 100%. You know? And honestly, you shouldn't use your nervousness because it'll just never happen. So you need to physically go out of your comfort zone in order to make it happen. And it is going to be uncomfortable. But like I was saying before, like there's there are certain things that you can do. Like you mentioned, looking up things on Google. That's great. Asking people for help. And people like to kind of like show what they know. Like if you ask someone, I'm sure they're going to be like very humbled. If you go up to them and ask them, they're going to be excited to tell you and like excited to help you. So don't feel scared going up to someone and asking them, hey, how do I use this? Hey, can you help me re-rack this? Having your workout planned ahead of time is the biggest way to gain confidence because when you go into the gym and you don't have a plan and you're kind of just standing there like what the hell where do I go what do I do this seems super overwhelming having a set plan so you know like exactly where to go just helps so much with that confidence aspect and like not feeling super intimidated by everything yeah so that's definitely something I would recommend Totally. Like I always write it in my notes pages, like in my iPhone. And I'm just like, okay, arm day. What am I going to hit? What am I going to do? Even sometimes some of our favorite fitness influencers will have workouts just in a carousel on Instagram. And you can just like scroll through that if you have good service in the gym. So there's definitely good resources to use when it comes to planning your exercises ahead of time and kind of just like knowing what you're going to do. But also on that same note, don't be afraid to kind of implement something that you haven't done before or you're not used to doing in the gym because some of my favorite workout days are ones where I'm like let me just go off the dome and just figure out stuff to do like depending on what I feel like doing you know so like but of course when you're working up that confidence definitely it helps to have it planned and everything like that I think another thing I want to add for like confidence wise don't cross out group classes I think group fitness is such a fun way to have more enthusiasm about getting in the gym in the first place and It creates a community of people that are all working on the same things at the same time. Your instructor is always there to help and it adds a lot more pizzazz and like fun to your workout if you're into group classes. So definitely check those out as well if you're needing a nice little ease into the gym world and stuff like that. Home workouts too. So like if you're absolutely still in the stage of you're not ready for the gym, you're very much just getting started or you're working through other stuff to kind of gain that confidence, don't knock the home workouts. Remember, um, who is it? Chloe Ting and <laughs> like her, oh, yeah. <laughs> her like COVID workouts. I would always do those when we can go leave the house. And I think one of my other favorites is Mad Fit. I really like what she has and like always puts out there. And then my third favorite uh, home workout person like on YouTube. What's her name? Move with Nicole. She's like a Pilates instructor and she has some killer Pilates workouts. Yeah, I mean, if it just takes consistency, like if you're super scared to get into the gym, even just starting at home is a great way. Like don't use that as an excuse to not get in any activity or workouts. Like there are still things you can do to get in that activity, to get in that movement and like start just like implementing that consistency, whether that's at home or with classes or even just getting to the gym and like walking on the treadmill, like just doing whatever you can to like start implementing it and working your way up to like the big girl 
you know, steps. <laughs> yeah. I like that you said just walking on the treadmill because that's totally one that is so effective and it's so probably the most simple one you can do. I know sometimes mm-hmm. on my like off days, I'll go in and I'll just pep myself up to actually work out by starting on the treadmill. I don't know if you ever 100%. do that too. I start every workout with a treadmill walk because it's also a great way to just like, you know, get your head in the game, get your blood flowing, get your muscles ready, get your mind ready and everything. But I do think on the days where I really don't feel like being there, I will purposely spend extra time on the treadmill before my workout to really get me hyped up, like put on some good music and just like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely the move when it comes to that. For what sure. about what about equipment? So like for someone who is a little intimidated by the big barbells, or maybe they don't feel strong enough to use it yet. What do you have to say about just using dumbbells and using those simpler pieces of equipment to kind of do your whole workout? So the first thing I would say is machines is probably like going on the treadmill, like the cardio stuff and like the weightlifting machines are probably going to be your go-to move at first, because I just feel like they're the least intimidating, especially with the weightlifting machines. Like there's a picture and like diagram on the side that kind of shows you like how to do it. Again, you could look up the video on YouTube or like go on Google, like you mentioned before. Um, But that's probably a good place to start. And then just working your way up. So I feel like dumbbells comes next. I know sometimes the dumbbell section can be intimidating itself. Mm -hmm. So normally most gyms have a turf area or like a large mat where you can go. And sometimes there's like dumbbells over there or other pieces of equipment, um, kettlebells, med balls. You can go on there and start practicing your exercises if you don't want to stand like in the main like dumbbell weightlifting section and then if you're super intimidated by the barbell starting with the smith machine is huge because it gives you a layer of stability and balance because like with a barbell it can seem super intimidating because nothing is really like assisting you in the movement but with the smith machine you can't really like fall backwards or fall to the side like you have that stability and support so i think that that's a great option to first go to get down your form, get down the movement before advancing to barbells. And it'll get you used to like putting plates onto the bar and just get you used to like the movement overall. I feel like you see a lot of people doing assisted bench presses there. Mm -hmm. I love doing glute bridges on that thing because it's just like when you can't hold it up any longer, it's a nice little you set it back on the little notches that it can just slowly go back down on and it's it's very it's much smoother I think and it kind of guides your your movement up and down there's pros and cons of both using a barbell and a smith machine I still use a smith machine a decent amount even though like I'm completely comfortable using a barbell um, I think with a smith machine you can kind of target specific muscles easier because with a barbell you're really focused on like the balance and stability part of it that with the Smith machine, those things you don't really need to focus on as much. So you can focus a lot more on like that mind muscle connection and really like engaging those muscles that you are trying to engage. Yeah, totally. So kind of a good segue here. You were talking about engaging the specific muscles that you want to engage. I want to talk about which muscle groups someone who's kind of just getting started in the gym, maybe they've been there for a little bit, maybe you're pretty far in your journey, but you want to figure out which muscle groups to focus on. Can you explain why it's important to work on all of them and not just your glutes, not just your arms, working all of these different muscle groups at once? Well, first, I know people, you know, they see a physique or they imagine something they want and they're like bigger glutes or abs. Like those are feel like the two that like people really like go towards at first, but like you want a balanced physique, you know, like you don't want like 
one muscle group to be like super developed and then another to be super weak. Like you want to be all around strong and like building all of your muscle groups congruently. So along with having a balanced physique, like fitness and working out goes way past and like way beyond just your physique. It's going to boost your confidence, whether you're like scared to work your upper body. I bet you like once I started working my upper body, I gained so much confidence just by doing it in the first place. So like, yeah, yeah, right. And you don't expect it. Like I didn't expect to have that sort of like empowerment feeling, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, as you do it and as you prove to yourself that like, you're probably stronger than you think as you go through the exercises, you do get that confidence boost. And I think working all your muscles kind of just like helps with that in general and then also just like functional strength for performing daily activities like as you get older and go through life like you don't think about how much your muscles and like muscle strength helps with the daily activities that you do every single day so like carrying your groceries when we have kids like picking up your kids shoveling snow off the driveway like all that stuff like having a balanced physique and like having muscles like all of your muscles being strong helps with like all those different activities and then you get into like injury prevention and bone health the more muscles you work and like the more balanced of a physique you have and the more strong you are like overall is just better in the long run very well said I think (laughs) focusing on overall strength kind of going back you were saying a lot of people work out for their uh, external physique and how they look overall but a lot of people Mm -hmm. are also moving towards seeing the beauty and working out for long-term health and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and I think when you really focus on all of your muscle groups it gives your body a chance to show you what it's got and like you were saying about upper body days that's like one of my favorite days now I don't know why like I used to be just strictly legs and like I would love doing leg days and I'd be like okay this is when I'm really pushing myself but lately I've been really into arm days especially shoulders And it makes me feel strong, especially as a woman, because I feel like a lot of predispositions are about women not having that much upper body strength. And it's really fun to kind of tone up the arms, you know, see it, Mm. see it quicker than than I personally see my legs come up. And it's it's me too. Yeah, yeah, I I see. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. My upper body definitely develops quicker than my lower body. But again, like you mentioned, like it's cool to see. So it's funny because I would see pictures of people, they they had muscle definition in their arms, but I wouldn't like focus on that. Or I wouldn't think that like, I would need to do upper body workouts to get that I would like just focus on like the abs and the butt. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, I should have started implementing upper body sooner. I didn't realize that like, that's what I should have been doing actually to get me to the physique that I wanted. So it's just funny, like looking back on now. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And like, I didn't. (laughs) I used to kind of ignore the back muscles too and I would never see how nice it looked when like someone has a nice back like that's yeah right yeah (laughs) yeah and I like seeing back muscles on myself too because it just makes Mm -hmm. me feel so strong and I notice it in daily tasks like when I was moving out of school or just moving into like somewhere new I noticed like lifting things was so much easier and I'm like okay there there we go Lifting things is easier and you're like less sore the next day. Like if you've yeah. ever had like a day where you're doing a lot of activity, um, maybe you're like playing a sport or you're, like you're golfing or you're swimming or you're moving something out. You'll notice the more that you are consistent with working out, the less like achy you are the next day yeah. after like doing those, those activities. And I don't know if people are get super achy, but like obviously as you get older, like it, 
the sooner you start, the sooner it's going to help. So with all that being said, I kind of want to move into specific workout types. So we talked about gym stuff. We talked about simple equipment. Now we know what muscles we need to work on. Let's get into cardio versus weight training. I know there's so many mixed pieces of information out there of like which one's more important, how much is of each is needed for whichever fitness goal you have. Can you kind of talk on that and the importance of one over the other or if they're both as important in terms of like what your desired result is? So I will start by saying that both are important. No matter what your goal is, incorporating both into your routine is important because they each have their benefits. So you're never just going to want to focus solely on weight training and completely disregard cardio or solely focus on cardio and completely disregard weight training. The healthiest and best approach is doing a combination of both. But but depending on what your goals are and where you're starting at, that's going to kind of depend on like how much you actually do each. But going into the importance of it for cardio specifically, you want to work on your heart. Like your heart is literally a muscle and people, I feel like don't think about that. You think of muscles, your biceps, your glutes, you know, but your heart is a muscle as well. And the way to work that is by doing cardio, working on building a stronger heart and doing cardio helps you pump blood more efficiently throughout your body. Um, And with that, also you get an energy boost because more nutrients and oxygen are now being delivered more effectively to your muscles and your organs, which I feel like a lot of people don't think about as well. Also like your lungs obviously um, are being worked. So it helps build healthier and more efficient working lungs. And also with cardio too, I know a lot of people hate it, but when, once they're done, I don't know if you've ever heard of endorphins before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a story on that. Yeah. <laughs> so cardio, a lot of times people, even though they go into it, like maybe dreading it, but they'll leave it feeling happy in a better mood. And that's just because your body, this can happen after weight training as well. But I think cardio might have a more profound effect on endorphins, but your body literally releases hormones called your feel good hormones. And it just gives you a sense of like accomplishment and just makes you feel good and gets you in a better mood after doing it. So that's definitely a huge plus with cardio as well. Yeah, totally. Literally last week, actually, I was taking a cycle class. It was so hard. I'm not the best at cycling and like quick (laughs) stuff has never been my thing. I'm more of like a flexibility strength type of person. Mm -hmm. But so I was challenging myself with cycling. At the end of it, I was like, it was the um what do they call it dedication song at my gym they call it and it's like the lights are all off you guys are cycling however you want to like a really yeah. motivational song it's really like emotional but I felt myself like the feeling of needing to cry almost mm-hmm. and I knew it was the endorphins like I felt it throughout my whole body and I was like oh my gosh this is such a powerful feeling and it like it's really enjoyable too and it's weird. It's weird at first. You're like, where is this coming from? Do I actually need to cry? But when you're like breathing through it, it feels so cool. And like the same thing happens for people in yoga too. Oftentimes, if you're doing shavasana, which is like that final resting pose, you're just like laying on the ground. That's mm-hmm. when those endorphins can show up too, from what I've noticed. And I I really like the feeling of it. It's awesome. For sure. And it's it's making me laugh. The fact that you brought up like the feeling of wanting to cry because my friends make fun of me so much because when I did my first triathlon when I was I think I was in like elementary school I was not an in shape person back then mm-hmm. my mom signed me up for a triathlon and it was super difficult like the hardest thing I've ever done and it was literally it was a kid triathlon so like 
not a lot of swimming, like one mile of running, three miles of biking. Like it was like a like shortened version of it. When I crossed the finish line, I'm not even kidding you. I cried and <laughs> I'm sure part of it was because it was like so hard, but also now I know it was because of the endorphins that were just like rushing through my body. Um, and then I actually just finished a 10 mile race. I did that. I think that was like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And I was, I was talking to my friends. I was like, guys, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm probably going to want to cry when I yeah. cross the finish line again. They're like, you can't cry. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, it just happens. Like you can't help it. I, I didn't cry when I crossed, but oh. I totally, <laughs> I totally understand what you mean by it. Yeah. And it's so normal. And it's just like, it's funny. It's silly, but it like, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's just a, a sense. Like it like overcomes your body. You're like, oh my gosh, like this, this is great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've gotten like similar things for weight training, sort of. It has to be like a really hard working day for me, but yeah, those are always cool to feel. Yeah. So kind of like circling back on this whole cardio talk, what do you think you would say to someone who's like, okay, well, I want to lose weight. I'm putting those in air quotes. I want to lose weight. So I'm just going to cycle all the time, run all the time. Like, what do you have to say for someone who's saying that and has that mindset? It sounds to me like that person doesn't understand the un the importance of building muscle to lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, yes, cardio is super great at helping you burn calories and it's great for weight management. Um, but the best way to kind of tackle weight loss is a combined efforts of cardio, weight training, and nutrition is involved in that as well. But doing excess cardio and putting like all of your time and energy into that puts so much stress on your body and it can actually end up doing more harm than good because when your body is under that constant state of stress, your cortisol, which is your stress hormone is constantly elevated. And that can actually lead to your muscle being broken down and fat being deposited easier. It basically causes the opposite effect of what you want to happen right. when you're constantly putting that much stress on your body. So weight training, super important for losing fat as well, because what a lot of people don't know is having muscle mass and having an increase in muscle mass increases your metabolism and your metabolism is how many calories you burn in a day. So basically the more muscle you have, the more calories you're able to burn literally just like at rest, literally just sitting here, like having more muscle helps you burn more calories. So it's crazy to think about. Yeah, it really is. So like with that being mm -hmm. said, does that have to relate with macros? And for those of us who don't know what macros even means, can you kind of speak on that and in, in terms of like diet and exercise and calories and stuff? Mm -hmm. Depending on what your goals are, like normally the three most typical goals are gaining weight in hopes of that weight being mostly muscle, losing weight being in hopes of losing just fat and like maintaining your muscle, or like kind of just doing both at the same time, like focusing on building muscle slowly and losing fat slowly. Um, depending on what your goal is, that's how you're going to kind of decide on the calories and macros that you consume in a given day. So the most important thing when you are deciding how many calories and macros to eat is your goal. Like you need to know exactly what you're working towards or else you're going to be super unclear of like how much you should be eating and what you should be eating. So that needs to be like, you need to sit down and really be like, okay, what do I want to focus on now? Is it going to be, do I really want to focus on muscle gain? Do I really want to focus on fat loss? And I would pick one of the two because you're going to see a lot quicker progress focusing on one rather than focusing on both at the same time, if that makes sense. So with that being said, with calories and macros, if you're wanting to build muscle, you're going to want to be in a caloric surplus, which basically means 
eating more calories than your maintenance calories. And your maintenance calories are the amount of calories that you should eat in a day to not gain or lose any weight. And the way you can find this out is, so the website I use is tdeecalculator.net, stands for Total Daily Energy Expenditure. You go into there, you plug in your stats, so um, your age, your gender, your weight, your height, your activity level, and that will give you an estimation of about how many calories you burn in a given day. Obviously, it's an estimation. It's not going to be exact. What you need to do is take that number, start eating those calories each day, track your calories using a scale and MyFitnessPal. Once you're eating those calories for, I'd say, two weeks at a time, and you see that your weight has plateaued, you know that that's actually your maintenance calories because you were eating the calories you needed in order to not lose or gain any weight. From there, to put yourself in a caloric surplus, you need to be eating above that number, above where your maintenance calories are. And And that's to gain weight, right? That's to gain weight. And a lot of people, you know, aren't looking to just be gaining fat. Like that weight gain is in hopes of gaining mostly muscle. And a lot of times building muscle does come with some fat gain. Um, And that's why people kind of go through the process of like bulking and cutting. Bulking is basically just being in a caloric surplus. Like that's like the out of gym rat term for being in a caloric surplus, you bulk. And then when you bulk and you put on that muscle that you want, and you might gain some extra body fat, that's when you kind of go through a cut, which is being in a caloric deficit in hopes of maintaining that muscle mass that you just built and shedding any extra body fat that you did gain in the process. And a cut in other terms is a caloric deficit. So you're going to want to make sure that your calories are below your maintenance calories then. And for both a surplus and a deficit, I would go between 250 to 500 calories above or below, depending on what your goal is. Okay. Got it. That was definitely a lot of information, but if you were following what it sounds like is like, so caloric surplus, if you want to gain muscle and fat mm-hmm. and all that stuff, gain weight, basically you yep. eat 250 to, you said 500, right? Yes. And you're not going to want to jump to like gaining 250, 500 week by week, you're going to want to slowly increase. But I think that range is efficient for building muscle. Once you pass the 500 point, if you want to build muscle, yes, you're going to be building muscle, but it's also um, probably going to lead to more body fat than you want to be gained. So a general rule of thumb is like not passing that 500 calorie mark above your maintenance calories. Gotcha. And then say someone who is ready to lose the weight, they're ready to like Mm -hmm cut basically Mm -hmm. so they're going under that yes so they're going to slowly work down work their way back to their maintenance calories any sudden changes of like dropping your calories super low or super high quickly is like first it's going to be hard to get used to physically like eating less or eating that much more but it's also like kind of a shock to your body so you want to you know have a gradual approach so work your way back down your maintenance calories and then eventually work your way into a deficit again 250 to 500 calories below where your maintenance is dropping too far below your maintenance calories is just putting yourself in not a good place like health wise in general right. so right so it's definitely yeah. a lot of information to like process but i think once you get the basics of just like what's my goal am i losing mm-hmm. or gaining is that what mm-hmm. i'm focused on you combine that caloric deficit or surplus with exercise emphasis Mm -hmm. on combining it and like having both at the same time because if you're not doing the exercise part of it and you're just doing the diet it probably Mm -hmm. won't work how you're expecting it to work you know like if you're 
doing both and you're consistent with both, that's when you're going to see those results. Or if you're only exercising and you're not implementing your diet in terms of calorie counting and all that stuff and just figuring out what you need to eat Mm -hmm. to gain and all that stuff, you might not see the results you want as well. Yeah. So the overall basis, like if you're wanting to gain weight, you just need to be making sure that you're intaking more calories than you're expending. And then if you want to lose weight, you just need to make sure that you're expending more calories that you're intaking. Basically, just the combined efforts makes it a lot easier to reach your goal than just doing one over the other. Yes, exactly. So then like when you're working on this, these diet changes in terms of like your fitness goals, what Mm -hmm. food groups are you focusing on? I think that's tying back to like macros. So what are macros? What are the main food groups that people should be focusing on when it comes to this? Calories come from macros and macros are your protein, carbs, and fats, and also alcohol, but we don't really focus on alcohol that much, but it is a macronutrient. It's not necessary for life. So, um, and it's not something we want to be getting in our daily diet anyways. So we sugar alcohols, right? alcohol like oh ethanol, like like, like alcohol liquor? you drink oh yeah, okay yeah that's that's <laughs> a macro that a lot of people don't realize because i feel like when people say macros they just say protein carbs and fats yeah um but yeah alcohol is the fourth macronutrient and it's not really talked a lot about because it's not necessary to sustain like human life like we don't need that to live mm-hmm. um but yeah we do get cal like that's where we get calories from our alcohol right. alcoholic drinks it's from alcohol itself ethanol um but yeah if we're just talking about carbs protein and fats which we do need for everyday life and to make sure that our bodies are working um the most efficiently um we need carbs protein and fats and protein is going to be your most important no matter what your goal is because again for weight loss for like fat loss and muscle gain building muscle is going to be super important and protein is how we make sure that we can actually build that muscle that we're looking for so protein i would say chicken is a great source of protein. Um, Greek yogurt, uh, salmon, whey protein powder is a really good source. Tofu, if you're vegan or vegetarian. And yeah, those are some of my favorite sources of that. I feel like finding the right amounts of protein oftentimes is like challenges I see. And I struggle with getting enough and when it comes to how much I'm working out. And when you have specific dietary restrictions, I think, like Mm -hmm. someone who's vegetarian or vegan, I feel like it's hard to find those specific foods that you would actually willingly eat when it comes to maintaining your protein and carbs and stuff. So the main way I like to break it down um, to make it easier and like more attainable, when you have a protein goal to like reach each day, like a daily protein intake goal, the number can be high. Like say it's pushing 100 grams, 130 grams. Like that seems scary to try to hit at first. But the way I like to look at it is breaking it down by meal because that makes it seem way more attainable and achievable to hit. So I'm like, okay, if my protein goal um, is 130 grams of protein, I'll be like, that means in breakfast, I want to try to get 30 grams. In lunch, I want to try to get around 30 grams. And dinner is around 30. And then in my snacks around 30. And then I'll base it off of that. So I'll be like, okay, what is the main protein source I want to have in my breakfast? Is it eggs? Am I going to have protein waffles? I'll be like, cool. And then really just finding a protein source in each meal. And once you have that protein source and you're adding in some other things that have protein, like milk or cheese or whatever it is, normally it does add up to 30 grams if you do have that protein source and you're eating enough of it. 
And it sucks to hear, but honestly, you're going to want to try to have a protein source in every single meal or else it's going to be really difficult to probably hit your protein goal for the day just because if your protein goal is decently high, like it's not likely you're going to be having like 50 grams of protein and like two of your meals. Like you're probably going to need like moderate amounts in every single meal to actually hit your protein goal. So really just making sure that you're building your meals, every single one around a protein source. Yes. If you have a meal here and there that doesn't have a protein source, like it's fine. Maybe try to like make up for it in another meal that has like more protein, but really just making sure that you're finding options. You're not just eating a bowl of pasta and butter. You're throwing in some chicken in there or shrimp Mm -hmm. or just doing whatever you can to add in sources and not just add in sources, but increase the portion sizes of the sources that you're eating. Long story short, if you are so confused on the conversation we had, or maybe like you have no idea what a macro is still, or just Mm -hmm. kind of just lost, talk to a fitness professional. That's what they're there for. Online coaches and person, personal trainers, even there's online resources you can find. Like I think I found a online macro calculator one time when I was like really trying to figure out for myself and those apps like MyFitnessPal and those things like that also make it really simple for you. So there's so many resources out there if you're still confused and you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Like look for those resources because it really will make the biggest difference in your fitness journey. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to say one more thing before we like wrap up this topic. I feel like I didn't explain that I do want to, that I think um, will make things more clear. When I say calories are made up of protein, carbs, and fats, or calories are made up of macros, that's what I mean. Because when carbs, protein, and fats are eaten and broken down and digested in your body, they physically give you calories. Yeah, that's like the conversion process of it all. Yeah, exactly. And I think... just like one more point on this. <laughs> we could like keep going. On this, I know. Like, I could, I one more point on this is like calories aren't evil. Like they're not bad. Like Jordan just no. said, calories are energy. So yeah. treat it like that. Don't treat it like something you're counting down to to be like, oh, I can't eat anymore. I can't have this dessert because it has too many calories in it. That's like way toxic side of all of this. Think of it mm-hmm. as energy that gives your body the fuel it needs to successfully break down the fat, break down the muscle and all that and to eventually build muscle. Jordan can say better terms than I can think of right now, but (laughs) (laughs) calories are not the enemy. Um, They just, I think it gets a bad rep because yeah, if you do eat way above your maintenance calories, then there is the chance of weight gain, but don't think of it that way. Like as long as you have a set goal, as long as you know where your maintenance calories are at, you're able to work with it and really just figure out like a healthy range of calories for you to be in. Definitely was very helpful. I learned some stuff from this conversation too, like especially Good. about calories and all that stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. This marks the end of part one of the two-part series. Stay tuned for the next episode to drop as it will be the second part and the end of our conversation. So thanks so much for tuning into this one. We will see you as soon as part two drops.